Hey friends, it's Corey Andrew Powell here, letting you know it's time to treat yourself with an exclusive Motivational Mondays deal at the NSLS shop. Listeners get 20% off shop-wide with the code MONDAYS. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Need a new coffee tumbler? Or perhaps you want to keep it classy with a new hardcover notebook? Well, get them on sale. Listen, with this deal, I'm tempted to trade in my bow tie collection for one of those cute NSLS hoodies. And don't forget, use code MONDAYS at checkout. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Enjoy that 20% off at shop.nsls.org. And stay motivated, leaders. Stay motivated. Chris Sheeran is someone who knows a thing or two about confidence. For the last 20 years, he's been helping people unleash their presentation skills, speak with confidence, and command attention. He's trained over half a million participants across the globe, including Fortune 500 companies like Microsoft, Walmart, and the U.S. Army. And today... He's sharing the secrets behind what it truly takes to give the best presentation of your life. Chris, what a pleasure to have you here. Thank you, Max. I've been looking forward to it. We're going to have a, have a good time today. Looking forward to it. I'd like to explore some common situations that derail our presentations and how to get back on track when they do occur. So before the presentation even begins, we start sweating. We can feel our hearts racing. Sometimes people get nervous to the point where they feel like they actually can't breathe. How do you deal with that when your body goes into panic mode right before you step out there? Man, you just made me nervous. I just became acutely aware of recording. <laughs> Let me turn my hands off. So, so before the presentation starts, before we even deal with any of the physicality, one of the things I like to really stress with our participants is we're not going to memorize presentations. Because when we're memorizing verbatim, we reveal it with our eyes. Every time we have to transition, we look up to the right. We sound like a fourth grader trying to do the preamble to the Constitution in in social studies, right? But I do want to know my first 30 seconds to a minute, just stone cold, yank me out of bed at 2 in the morning, and boom, you're, you're getting the first 30 seconds of this presentation. I've done it a million times. So think about like any kind of sport, right? Like I grew up playing basketball. You, you come out of the tunnel before the jump ball, your heart is hammering, you're nervous, you're amped up, right? Before the handball match starts, you're a little nervous. Am I going to win? Am I going to play well? Here's what I want to do today. You get about 30 seconds into that game or that performance, what do you do? You just play, right? We just play. You don't think about being on the court in the second quarter. Now, maybe the last 30 seconds, the score's tied. But so same thing with the presentation. So if we can get through that first 30, 60 seconds with some confidence, after that, man, we're just talking. Another thing that really helps in that intro, do something different and better. Um, Get a laugh, get a chuckle, get an emotion, get your audience to react somehow, some way. And that's another long, long course for another day. But if I, it's like gladiator, right? Win the crowd, win your freedom. So you get that connection in the first 30, 60 seconds. Now we're all friends. Now we're just friends who are talking, and who's nervous chatting with their friends? So that helps. Uh, from a physiological physiological standpoint, uh, yeah, deep breath. Um, I had to make a clarification to my materials. I always said, take a deep breath right before you launch. And now in parentheses, it says, preferably off mic. <laughs> we had that, go, had that go poorly. And like, oh, I'm really nervous. Okay. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's not a great intro. So deep breath off <laughs> mic. Um, don't start until you're ready. Um, I'll get people where it's their turn to present. So they're walking to the front of the room. And like you said, palms sweaty, 
heart hammering, a little breathy, a little breathy. And as they're walking to the front of the room, no moment to collect, to, to drop anchor, just start talking before they've even turned and faced the audience. So what happens here, object in motion tends to stay in motion. You deliver your first sentence moving, you're not going to stop moving until the nerves settle, which could be minutes, right? So now you're a pinball, you're distracting. So to calm those nerves, deep, deep breath. When I get to the front of the room, I'm going to boom, boom, I'm going to drop anchor, lock both feet in, chin up, right? When, when, our, when we're nervous, our chin drops 15 to 20 degrees, it tightens my throat, makes me breathy, and it physically looks like we're not confident. Fake it till you make it. If we look confident, um, you know, shoulders up, head up, big smile, eyes bright, and boom, nail that first 30 seconds with projection. And if you do that, it's going to go fine. It, it, it really is. Like you'll, you'll get through the nerves, but it's just um, getting that first 30 seconds out. Situation number two mm. everything is going well, and then you stumble in your speech, you mess up a word. You forget a line, and your confidence level tanks. Mm-hmm. How do you reassemble yourself to get back on track? Yeah, I think that one's all mindset again, right? This we we don't have to be perfect, um, and in fact, it's it's a good thing to be imperfect. I've even read of like famous speakers from like the '80s that built in one stumble into their presentation on purpose to become more natural and relatable. Um, fortunately for me, I come across those moments organically, so it's it's much easier. I don't have to script the, the, the fumbles. But it, it really is mindset in that if you are trying to be perfect and you lack confidence and you're afraid of your audience and the people you're in there with, yeah, I mean, a mistake is going to speed up the, the heart rate. It's going to turn up the clock. It's going to be in your head while you're thinking of the next thing. And you, you ever done that, right? Where you're thinking about something else and then you try to uh, answer a question. You can't do it. So it really is just laugh at yourself a little. Um, we don't want to trash ourselves. We, you know, we, we respect the line. But again, some of my favorite moments in, in, a, in a presentation are um, – the mistakes, right? Like I mean, the joke that doesn't land. So great. Have some fun. Make fun of yourself. You know, like just uh, it, it's okay. And then people are rooting for you unless they're just bizarre sadists, right? Like nobody wants you to fail. Ever been to a comedy club where the comedian bombed? It's the worst feeling in the world. You just want to crawl under the table. Like people want you to succeed. Nobody expects perfection. Laugh, have some fun. Your audience will laugh with you. They'll smile back. And uh, just let it rip, man. It, it, it's, it's not life or death. One thing you told me when we first met is that it all comes down to reframing the mindset. Hmm. You said it's not that you have to present. It's that you get to present. Yeah. Can you tell us how making that little mental shift can completely change how people approach a presentation? Man, that's a really good way to phrase it. Completely change your presentation effectiveness. It is absolutely starts with the mindset where one of the silly rules I'll have in my like more intimate sessions, right? Where we're doing coaching training, usually, you know, 12, 15 people in a, in a classroom is you are not allowed to say anything negative about your presentation skills before you start to present. It is a natural human defense mechanism, right? Well, I haven't really prepared as much as I'd like to, but let's see how it goes. So what we're trying to do here is soften the room, right? Lower the bar of expectations. But what we're actually doing is 
putting ourselves in a negative mindset and we're pre-training the audience to not value what we have to say. It's, it's just the wrong mindset. So we'll even start off a lot of sessions with, yeah, you don't have to present, you get to. Every single time you get to open your mouth, it is an opportunity, right? It's an opportunity to amplify our credibility. It's an opportunity to inspire. It's an opportunity to drive results we're looking for. And selfishly, it is an opportunity to shine. Or when I have people in professions that like, well, I don't present much. And I'm like, awesome, right? So be really good at it. Be the financial analyst that people can't wait to hear. You're going to stand out. You're going to be a superstar. And just all these doors and opportunities that open when we present ourselves effectively, it's truly amazing, the, the possibilities that open. And so, yeah, I mean, how exciting is that, right? How often do we get that opportunity to put our best foot forward and and go get what we want, right? Um, so, yes, it is 100% mental. I've never met a good presenter who says, oh, I'll see what happens here. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. One of the things that, that you said right before this that really grabbed my attention was we use these defense mechanisms to lower the bar to soften the room. Oh, yeah. One of the quickest ways to lose credibility that unfortunately a lot of people do is starting sentences with, I think. <laughs> it's so deadly. And, and it's such a, it, it's, it's almost, we teach people to not use um, and we really focus on that in school. But yeah. I think is so persistent. It's, it's a way of hedging. It's a way of trying to soften and not come across too strong or to deflect potential judgment or disagreement. So one of the things that we'll do in, in more of my executive presence classes, right? If it's presentation skills and basics, we're going to talk a lot more fundamentals and, and content creation, right? Just like we're not going to teach someone to, you know, to fly a rocket ship before their first day of flight school. You know, we got to kind of build up to where we're going. And with our executive presence, we talk a lot about the power of language, uh, avoiding cliched language, um, economy of speech, right? Can we make the point quickly and interestingly? And a lot of those, I call them crutch words, right? It's our, it's our lean back kind of, it's, it's the crutch we lean on. So next we're going to talk about, and so what I'd like to speak about next is, no, you're speaking. I know what you want to speak about next because you just did it, right? And so we work on pulling all of the fluff and filler and blech out of the presentation. So that's a really, really good point. The, I think, and I've kind of been thinking, it's just weak equivocating language and it takes away from your confidence, which limits your authority and your presence. One of the concepts you teach is executive presence. Mm -hmm. I love that word. It carries massive weight behind it. Yeah. Can you tell us what executive presence is and how you use it to grab attention and command a room? Sure. It's not literal in that you have to be an executive, but it is this notion that presentation skills are great. And if you master the fundamentals, you'll never embarrass yourself in front of a room. Good for you. Executive presence is this command and authority of a room that is just this constant purveying of confidence, knowledge, authority, warmth, and engagement sometimes. It is this notion that, look, when you speak, for better or worse, people are listening. And for many people, that is daunting. It's why we get afraid because we start putting the pressure that comes with it. 
but it is this omnipresent ability to command and not in a dominating or domineering or overbearing way, but to command the room that you are in and to create the environment you want. Um, I'll hear often, you know, I did those things, but it was a, it's a tough, it was a tough audience. It's a tough crowd. They just weren't interested. They just didn't want to be here. They have zoom fatigue, whatever it is. And my polite refrain is generally, if you have more than one or two tough audiences, there is likely a constant in this equation we need to analyze, right? Like it ate the audience, right? Like there's there's a constant in the equation. And, and a lot of that is our, our presence. Like and, and then that's really how you create the environment you want. Do I want participative and fun? Do I want serious? Do I want a desired outcome? Um, you know, executive presence is that idea that we're beginning with the end in mind. Right? I'm, every presentation I start, I know where we need to land and now I'm going to find a fun, entertaining way to get you there. I've noticed that a lot of people during presentations, especially when they're nervous, they tend to speak very quickly, <laughs> right? They try to get off of that stage as soon as they can. How do you use space as part of that equation to actually command that room and demand that respect? in a better way. Yeah. So a a couple things there with the speeding up, that is really natural, normal reflex, right? We are nervous and a second on stage is a lot longer than it feels like, right? Have you ever lost your train of thought in front of a group? It feels like eternity. I'll, I'll show the tape back to some of my presenters and I'm like, that was three quarters of a second. It was nothing, but they felt the fluster. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, And then they apologize. They bring attention to it, magnify it. So speaking a little more quickly is good. Research shows that a little quarter beat pickup of tempo gives us a little bit more authority. It makes us a little more credible, easier to listen to, and it tends to pick up the projection and excitement in our voice. However, there's a balance. So the best speakers do a couple of things. Verbally, they find their opposite and they use it. Like for me, I know that I've got to take a breath. It's going to be fast. It's going to be maybe a few wild tangents that I'm trying so hard to reel in. So what I'm going to be effective is the tempo starts picking up. We're going, we're going, we're going. So if I want to make a point, I pause, bring the tempo down just a little bit and right? Everybody just kind of leans in. So we do the same thing in a room with our physical presence. So I'll do activities with some of our participants when we're training them, where we'll put some markers or spots on the floor and they've got to use those spots. But when they're on one, boom, we are locked in. Like it's a powerful magnet from your toe to that spot. So when I'm in a spot, I'm going to be there, but I'm not going to be there for hours on end, right? Motion creates emotion, even in a small space, using that physicality, if nothing else, it adjusts my participants' eye levels, right? There's a string from their eyes to my eyes. So when I'm moving in a room, they are physically pivoting to watch me, to connect with me, where when we stand in one spot, we get the television effect, right? Where I'm just watching TV. And if you're anything like most people, what are you doing while you're watching TV? You're eating, you're reading on your phone, right? It's just part of it. And and so the, the physical proximity matters, we want to limit extraneous movement because that's a distractor, takes away from the message, right? I'm just watching you fidget or pace. But we don't want to be anchored in one spot. And, and frankly, that's probably the most challenging 
activity <laughs> that I'll do with people in our one two day classes because it's unnatural for them, but it is an absolute differentiator between dude who presents okay, girl who did her presentation decently, and person who commands the room. It's 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 your presence. It's executive presence, right? We we use the space with comfort and confidence. How can people get better at presenting themselves at interviews? What's some practical advice for telling our own stories? Um, I, I would say a little preparation goes a long way. There, we'll do some stuff um, with audience and executive presence where we talk about impromptu speaking. And I think interviews fall into that category. And one of the core principles is you know 90% of the questions you're going to be asked. You just do. You know what they're going to ask. You know what they're going to want to know about you in, in any setting, right? Whether it's an interview or a meeting. So I would have some prepared talking points. I might even have some quick anecdotes. People learn better through stories and anecdotes than they do through bullet point lists. Um, it's great that you told me you increased sales by 20% at your last job. I'd love to hear a 30-second clip on how you did it, right, if I'm the interviewer. Um, so being able to put some stories behind it that, that illustrate those points rather than telling me. Make sense? And everyone says, I'm a hard worker. Okay, great. Give me an example, right? Talk to me. Um, and then also just remembering that an interview is, is a two-way street. And depending upon where you are in the audience today, whoever's, you know, everyone who's listening, um, you know, we're all in different spots in life. There are times where, look, money and a job are, are vital. They're vitally important. We got to get that job. I get it. Um, I get that we're blessed you know, to be where we are now. But an interview is still a two-way street. There are infinite ways, legal ways to make money on this planet, right? Infinite. There's so many ways to make money. So when I'm interviewing, if I was interviewing, I would be looking at, is this where I want to invest my very, very, very valuable resource of my time and frankly, my life? Is this employer in person worth it? Is this where I want to be? And I, I think it's important to look at it from both sides of the table. Like, is this not just can I get a job? Will they like me? But do I like them? Is this where I want to be? And if we have that dynamic in the in the conversation, one, you're going to interview much better. You'll seem more confident. And and two, you're going to land in the spot you want to be in. Like, um, it's it's a position of power to to look at it that your time is valuable as much as their compensation is. Chris, a huge thank you for sharing your insights and helping us all get a little better at walking through that door with confidence. It's been wonderful getting to know you. Thank you. I've had a blast. It's great meeting you too. And I uh, look forward to doing it again. Good luck, everybody. Go out there and make it happen. And one last question. How can people learn more about you? Sure. Well, I mean, from our speaking and training Website, if you go to EVI Training, that's Empowering Voices, Inc., so EVITraining.com, um, do presentation skills, executive presence, business acumen workshops for companies large and small, um, as well as colleges, you know, teach at Belmont, UCLA, we're doing some stuff for Yale coming up soon. And then if you're interested in just our journey, we share a whole lot more than blueberry recipes. Uh, we give you, we give it to, all to you there, the good and the bad, uh, the journey. So if you follow Blue Barn Berry Farm on Facebook, and if we can help you raise some funds for an organization, 
Um, a million dollars to give away is a lot, so I need your help. <laughs> so, uh, so bluebarnberryfarm.com and just uh, hit me up. I'm the one who's checking that feed, and uh, we'd love to put together a fundraiser for your school or your clever organization. So let us know how we can help. We'll definitely do our part to, to help spread the word. I, I think it's an amazing cause. I love it. Thank you.